Welcome to the podcast from Eden Worship Center. Because we believe that it is God's Word that does God's work in God's people, we want you to hear the gospel preached in the gathering of believers. We want you to read it for yourself and to join us as we think together and talk together about the sermon from this past week and what's going on in our world. You can join the conversation by sending in your comments and questions to EdenWC at Hotmail.com. May God cause His Word to come alive in your heart today. Well, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining our midweek podcast. Pastor Matt here. And Pastor John. All right, Pastor John, just before he heads out of town. Yes. So where are you headed off to? Waynesburg, Pennsylvania to Father Son Join an East. Amish community. <laughs> yes. You've already yeah. kind of got the beard thing going on, well, just it, a little bit. After we're done here, I'm going to shave my mustache and <laughs> hit the road. Hit That's the road. They wouldn't let you in if you didn't do that. <laughs> yes. Okay, sorry. What are you actually oh, going to do? Uh, speaking at a father-son camp, uh, talking okay. to, to dads about dads and their sons about what dads can do to disciple their sons and what sons can do to make it easier for their dads. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Right on. Uh, so who's that with? What's the uh, it organization? Is, uh, they are known as father son camp East, uh, but they do more than just the, the father son camp. They do father daughter camps. They do uh, retreats throughout the year, that kind of stuff. Okay. So okay. Uh, they're not affiliated with any particular church or anything. Okay. Uh, but uh, took the boys to it quite a few times when we lived out East. Right. So uh, right. glad to be going back this time as the speaker. Yeah. Yeah, so. cool. So, all right, good. Uh, so, be good. If those of you listening on this, uh, be praying for John as he ministers in that setting over the next. Call. How long are you going to be there? A couple uh, days. Yeah, it's Thursday night to Sunday morning. Okay. So good, good. Yeah, definitely be praying for them. So, we want to talk a little bit about uh, following up from this week's sermon, uh, which was the first installment of the joining Jesus, uh, mm-hmm. beginning that. Uh, follow me, uh, which we started a month ago, right. uh, the last Sunday of the month, just dedicating that to um, discipleship. Yes. That our goal in the church isn't actually to build church attenders, uh, people who just show up to church, who kind of live a good life. It's actually to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. People are being shaped by the word, uh, molded more and more into his likeness and his image, who have committed to walk with each other. Mm-hmm. That, that's a huge part of that because you oh, can yeah. you can say, well, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I just don't want to do, ha, have anything to do with his family or his body, which is kind of a disconnected way to think. Oh, yeah, because uh, if you are following Jesus and other people are following Jesus, you kind of got to be with them. Yeah, well, especially <laughs> if he's the head of the church uh, and the church is described as the body of Jesus Christ. Yes. Then we are members, it, which member kind of gets lost because we we tend to think of church member. It, like it's right. a churchy word of its own. That wasn't what it was saying. Right. It, it was like a member like your hand or your finger or your arm or your leg. Yeah. Like we're body parts, it, which would be a maybe a little bit more clear way to say it. We're body yes. parts. Of Jesus' body. Yeah, I love the way Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 lays that out so clearly and distinctly. What if the whole body were an eye or an ear? Yeah. Or, yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, so one of the one of the things that we started talking about uh, this Sunday, uh, for those of you who maybe weren't here, just catch you up for those who fell asleep in the middle of this. It happens. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. Even gonna... to the best of us. Yes. I saw it, John. I, I saw the nodding. Um is there 
there is a difficulty that comes with sharing our faith. There's a difficulty that comes with evangelism. And that is when we actually have broken fellowship in our lives. Yes. So we're, we're talking to somebody because there's brokenness in their lives. There's a disconnect from Christ, from the church, from the word of God. And so we want to share good news with them. Mm-hmm. But if we have brokenness and disconnect in our lives, so if we have secret sin that we're toting around or mm-hmm. some pet sin that we're just, it's not a secret, but we're making excuses for it. Why, why it's no big deal and why everybody else is wrong about it. Uh, we will be experiencing a break in our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who has ever struggled with sin, which that's everybody. Everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everybody who has struggled with sin can say, I began to feel over it, not right up front, over a period of time, start feeling that disconnect in your walk with God, mm-hmm. that coldness of heart that settles in, that that yes. distance from his word, that that desire to read his word just sort of seems to wane a little bit. Desire for mm-hmm. fellowship with his people uh, really goes down because at some point, if you you love sin long enough, well, gosh, I don't want to be around those people. Yeah. They're awful. Yep. You know? So uh, I think that's the first danger. The second danger is that break in fellowship one with another. Uh, well, it, it affects the first one. It, it means there's nobody there throwing that lifeline to pull us back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all wander from the grace of God. Yes. We all have moments of stupidity, which is why we need each other. <laughs> and if we don't have anybody who's pulling it, loving us enough to have hard conversations and pull us back, yeah. Uh, confront us, admonish us in our sin. Mm-hmm. We're just going to keep drifting down that road, keep drifting down that river until we find ourselves so far from where we started. We almost can't believe it. Yeah. I, James in James chapter five puts it wonderfully. He says, if you see a brother stray um, <clears throat> and you go and talk to that brother and win him back, you have saved his soul from death. Yeah. Uh, and earlier he talks about how our conscience can be seared by continuing on in sin. Uh, and it, that is one reason it's so important to stay connected yeah. uh, as with other followers of Christ. We all need somebody at one time or another to pull us back. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was just looking cause I, I thought it was there. He ends that, that verse there in James by saying, uh, not only does he win his brother back, does he bring him back? but he covers over a multitude of sins. Yes. Like there's, there's an assumption right up front that we're going to sin against each other. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people are surprised by that in the church. They're like, <laughs> man, I thought, I thought you were good people. I thought you were religious people or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. misunderstanding they want to apply to it. And then when someone sins against them, whether it is uh, actively, intentionally, uh, maliciously, like with evil intent in their mm-hmm. heart, mm-hmm. like we're shocked when that happens. Uh, we're still pretty shocked when someone sins against us in in a moment, loses their temper, or right. uh, sins against us in you know running towards their own selfishness and ignoring our needs. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> and I think I think it's helpful for us to say, no, listen, the starting place is not perfection; it's gentleness, it's kindness. Mm-hmm in such a way that's going to cover over a multitude of sins, a multitude <laughs> of sins. Yes. Not just yes. one or two. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think if we miss that, Pastor John, if we miss <laughs> that, uh, I was just trying to sound radio like there for a second. <laughs> yes. If we miss that, Pastor John, uh, what ends up happening is a single sin can blow us out of the water. Yeah. And, and we just throw up our hands and go, well, I guess I got to move on. 
I, yep. I can't have anything to do with that person again. And the reality mm-hmm. is we should expect brothers and sisters to sin against us. Absolutely. And we should expect our response to be confession, repentance, forgiveness, restoration, yes. reconciliation. Like, yes. yeah. I heard a quote the other day <laughs> said, we expect God to justify us by his grace, but we expect others to justify themselves by their works. Oh man, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I thought, or actually was... that's awful. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a really good quote, but it's an awful idea. Yes. Yes. And all too often that's what plays out. Yeah. yeah. And people can't live up to that. Right. You, you'll never measure up to that standard because you're actually asking more of them than God has asked of you. Yes. Which is a giant problem. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so in thinking about this, so you, you have this disconnect in our relationship with God, this disconnect from brothers and sisters, but we've been talking uh, the last Sunday of the month specifically about uh, discipling those in the church and then reaching out mm-hmm. to those outside of the church. And the reality is if we have that disconnect in our relationship with God, there's, there's sin wedged in there, or if we have... Uh, sin wedged in between brothers and sisters, we mm-hmm. will not be reaching out to our neighbors. We won't be right. sharing good news. We won't be uh, joining Jesus on his mission of what yes. he is doing in their lives. Uh, we won't be looking for it because all we're looking at is ourselves yeah. and usually just feeding whatever uh, hurt, disappointment, anger that, I mean, that that's just how this plays out Yeah. until yeah. those emotions dissipate and all you're left with is coldness and hardness and indifference. Yes. And you ask them like, Hey, uh, is there something from that previous church that you went to a couple years ago that, that bothers you? And you're like, Nope, I'm good. I've moved on. They're <laughs> awful people. Like I'm fine. They yes. are horrendous people who yeah. I, I hope someday enjoy the fires of hell, but yeah. you know, <laughs> just that all things might be just and equitable. You know, yeah. I, I think yeah. that's what they have coming, but it, it betrays, Coldness of heart actually betrays our heart. Oh, yeah. Where we are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually just had a discussion last night in our family worship about how our words are simply an expression of our heart, that our heart doesn't have a mouth, and so it uses mm-hmm. the mouth that's there. Yeah. Uh, and what we say absolutely is simply our heart expressing itself. Yeah. It, it reveals. And a lot of times people are like, well, I, I didn't even think about it. It just came out. As if that makes it better. Right. That seriously reveals what's in the heart yeah. Uh, yeah. when you don't even have to think about it. That only reveals the heart. Yeah. That your brain's completely out of the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we all fall into that all too often. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, looking at uh, this idea of joining Jesus as it's his mission. Like he is the one. First uh, John 4, 19 uh, through 21 says we love because he first loved us. If we're joining Jesus on his mission, it begins with the fact that Christ has loved me, that mm-hmm. Christ has saved me. Christ has given me that kind of grace, uh, yep. shown me his kindness. It, it's his kindness that leads to repentance. Yes. But then if we if we miss that, we do what you said a second ago. <laughs> Notice how I took the quote and applied it like it's it's your own heart it's talking. It's my own heart. Yeah, it did come out of your mouth. It came, I was so, about to say, it's, it's my heart. I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> but if we... If we keep reading in that first John four, he says, if anyone says I love God and yet hates his brother, he's a liar. Yeah. Yeah. First John is, it pulls no punches. Yeah. It's kind of brutal. It is <laughs> kind of brutal, which is funny. Cause when you talk to church people, like revealing some of these things, they're like, how can you talk to me like that? <laughs> yes. 
And I think it's so ironic. First John is so black and white, pulls no punches, but it was written by John, who's known as the apostle of love. Yes. Yeah. So that love is a key word throughout the book of first. Well, and it, it also is a great reminder that our, our love, our encouragement, our correction, our admonition, our rebuking, all has to come from love. Yes. It, it only grows out of one plant. Like those aren't, yeah. those aren't different things. They all, they're fruit that grow from one source. And that is the love that we have received from God. That's the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. We love because he first loved us. And because I love you, I'm going to encourage you when you're down. Yeah. Because I love you, I'm going to correct you when you're wrong. Mm-hmm. If I don't love you, I may encourage you if you're, if you're down, as long as it benefits me. Yeah. I'm certainly not correcting you because you're going to get, t- you're not going to get ticked at God. You're going to get ticked at me. And that and makes th- me uncomfortable. Makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> you're going to talk bad about me, yeah. right? It, it, like everything blows up around me. So if it's all about me, I'm never doing this. Yep. It's, it is only growing out of the love of God. Yes. Uh, but the reality is, uh, we talked about this on Sunday. You won't be sharing the gospel. You won't be looking for what Jesus is doing in others. If you are living in sin, and or, so if it's your own personal sin or uh, sinfully harboring anger, unforgiveness with brothers and sisters in yes. the body. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. No. Uh, and I think Ephesians 6, uh, when it talks about the armor of God, it talks about putting on the uh, on your feet. Uh yeah, I believe that's 15. for 15 yes, off the top of my head. <laughs> that was impressive. Yeah. It's it's almost like you had notes or something. <laughs> Actually, the impressive thing is for everybody who's watching, uh, all my notes on Sunday, you won't be sharing the gospel. Literally, the next thing is Ephesians 6. And you went like, actually, in Ephesians. And I'm like, is he reading my notes? Can he see them from here? No, he's just that good. <laughs> he's that good. This is why we love this guy. <laughs> Carry on. Verse 15, so, yeah, which verse, you know from memory, verse, <laughs> along with the rest of the New Testament. Yes. I mean, it, it, it took time. I mean, at least a week. <laughs> so, uh, but he says, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Yeah. And a lot of people equate this with, oh, evangelism. Got to go out and do evangelism. Well, evangelism is part of the battle, not the armor. Yeah. Um, this isn't talking about evangelism. I love the way that was good. Oh, thanks. evangelism is part of the battle, <laughs> not the armor. Yeah. Uh, I love the way he says it here. Put on what you're putting on your feet is the readiness that's given by the gospel of peace. Right. It is a readiness to go out with the gospel that comes from the peace that is given to us through the gospel. Um, most both peace with God, which is what Christ gave us back in Ephesians two. Paul talks about that, how through Christ we have peace with God, but also the peace of God, which comes through what you're talking about, uh, having a clear conscience before God, not harboring guilt or anger or harboring any kind of sin. We have that, that peace of God that makes us ready to wage the war. Right. So it's a great passage there. That's good. Uh, So there again, like we talked about a little bit ago, if left to ourselves, our natural tendency is drift. Yes. I mean, we will, we will love God. We will dive it. I mean, anybody who's ever um, been convicted, like, oh, I need to be reading God's word more. 
but then it's just sort of willpower. It's sort of like uh, yeah. New Year's resolutions. Oh, I need to go on a diet. And then, yes. so January 1, here we go, diving in. Uh, now, unless it's keto, where you basically get to eat bacon all the time. God bless I can you. Do keto. Yeah. Oh, man. Man, praise God for that. Uh, but it, when it's just down to willpower, what tends to happen is we do good, really good the first couple days. Mm-hmm. And then we do pretty good the end of that week. And then we do okay the next week. And by week three, like we have fallen off the wagon. Yes. And and then it's just right back to old habits because old habits take time to change. Yeah. And on our own, we just tend to drift and we just go with where life takes us. Yeah. And if we don't have somebody who is pulling us back, we won't have feet covered with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Yeah. It, it just won't happen. Like it, Paul is saying here in, in Ephesians six, uh, to put on the whole armor of God mm-hmm. in how we think and in what covers our heart in, in the salvation that wraps us up and surrounds us and the word of God, that is our, uh, our sword, uh, for attack and defense, mm-hmm. uh, the shield of faith that we take on a truth that just wraps us and ties the whole thing together. But if we're going to have feet that actually take that someplace, yeah. like into the battle, uh, into uh, one another's lives into our neighborhoods that need to hear the gospel. If we're just left to our own, we'll have the whole armor on. Then we're like, where did I put my shoes? <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of awesome. I didn't actually plan on sharing this. <laughs> John and I are carrying microphones and the camera in to, to set up for this podcast. And I'm walking out the back of uh, the auditorium in the church. I try not to call it to the, the sanctuary because oh, the yeah. sanctuary is in heaven. Uh, so we have an auditorium. <laughs> yes. uh, and as I was walking out under one of the back seats was an adult pair of <laughs> shoes. I, I think they were Crocs. So yeah. easy, easy yep. on, easy off. Yes. Uh, at which point I'm like, John, you got to come look at this. Get in here and look. Because we've had with children come to church, abandon their shoes, like get in the car on the way home and mom and dad are like, where are your shoes? Oh, more than once. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like every family or even worse is like, where is your left shoe? <laughs> At least once. the right one made it into the car. <laughs> yep. I don't know that we've ever had a full on adult leave their shoes behind. Just, just kick them off in the middle of the service and wander <laughs> off barefoot. Uh, yeah. My only hope. In fact, as soon as I saw it, uh, a scenario played out in my mind where we're driving home and the husband looks at his wife or vice versa and is like, where are your shoes? <laughs> <laughs> the reality is, and, and you brought this up, at some point they had to walk across rocks somewhere yeah. to get to their car. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they parked out front just a little bit. Uh, man. Uh, I don't even know what to say about that. I I need to get new shoes. I can feel every rock. (laughs) I I don't know. Then you looked at, oh, those are my toes. (laughs) This is bizarre. So moments, oh, check this out. Moments of walking across the rocks in our life are meant to catch our attention. Yes. Meant to bring us back. But that's what we need. That's what we need people who are reaching out to us, who have a hold of us, who are sharing the gospel with us, mm-hmm. who are confronting us in our sin and encouraging us in our weakness. That's when we, we need to have them. And if we don't, if we've alienated all of them, mm-hmm. the reality is we're on our own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sunday morning in Sunday school, somebody shared um, 
briefly how they had gotten into sin a lot further than what they ever expected to. And they said, I wish somebody had been there to, yeah. to pull me back. Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that we're responsible for the sin the person fell into, but the person made an absolutely great point that if there had been there, somebody there to pull them back, who knows what could have been avoided. Yeah. We have an obligation to one another. Yes. And I, I think we need to say that again and again, because our culture doesn't think like that. Right. You live your way. You do you. I'll do me. Like we've created phrases, you know, mm -hmm. I'm okay. You're okay. You do you. Yes. Um, if it doesn't affect me, whatever you do in the privacy of your own home, like those kind of phrases. Yeah. And yeah. the reality is, no, our lives are intertwined. Yeah. Especially as believers. Now, uh, so you, you go to uh, a secular God-rejecting society and even they will say it takes a village to raise a child. Oh, right. That the, it takes a community to raise a child. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the Bible is going to use the metaphor of a child growing up, maturing yes. to illustrate what the Christian life looks like. Mm -hmm. Only we don't need a community. We need a gospel community. Absolutely. It can't just be a community of friends, people we like, people we hang out with, um, people who we enjoy going to the same events or talking about the same type stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing that unites us is actually Christ. Yeah. And in the midst of that, we should expect wild diversity. Yeah. If that, we're a gospel community, that's proof of the truth of the gospel with yeah. that diversity. And I, as much as I, I like Simon and Garfunkel, they are wrong. I am not a rock. I am not an Island. Uh, we, to quote another red green, we're in this together. Okay. <laughs> that was just a great pop cultural. I don't know that anybody has ever put Simon Garfunkel and red green in the same sentence. Like that was, that was unity amongst diversity. That was, I, I aim for it every day. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, so we talked mostly on Sunday about Colossians chapter three. Yes. Uh, and the first, uh, four or five verses start off for the first four verses, uh, say, because this is true, because you have, you've not just been joined with each other. You'd been joined with Christ. In fact, that's why we've been joined with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, we forget that we, we think, no, we're, we're joined together because we all like the same things, think the same way, vote the same way. That's not true. Right. That, that shouldn't be true. Right or at least it shouldn't just be true like that where that's the only thing that we have. Yeah. Uh, I think if you hang out with the same people long enough, you kind of start building a culture, but mm -hmm. that's not what church is supposed to be. Right. Uh, the culture of the kingdom is the salvation of sinners. Yes. Uh, people who are actively rebellious against God, against his kingdom. And because Christ's power to save is stronger than my power to sin. He has He has reconciled us with him. Yes. Like he moved us. He never moved. <laughs> he yes. moves us towards him. Uh, so it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on the things of this earth. And then just in case you hadn't got the message. And again, this sounds like church talk, but this is a serious thing to say for you have died. Mm -hmm. what you want, what you demand, what you like, what you're comfortable with, what your preferences are mm -hmm. dead, dead, 
dead. Everything you were. Yeah. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then uh, this future uh, promise that when Christ, who is your life, appears. In other words, your life is not defined by what you think, what you feel, what comes natural to you, what you prefer. It's Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love the way he phrases that. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Yeah. Um, our kids love to play hide and seek. And one of their favorite places, we have a big basket in the living room full of blankets. And sometimes they'll, they'll get in there in the middle of all those blankets. And so when you walk into the room, all you see are the blankets. Um, we are hidden with Christ and God. When people look at us, that's what they should see. Nothing about our previous life. They should see Christ because that's where we're, we're hidden. We're tucked in. It's not that we're dead and then given new life to, again, just be who we want to be. Yeah. We are hidden in Christ. That's what people should see when they look at us. Uh, so I love the way he, he phrases that there. John, do you know what you call a blonde skeleton underneath the back porch? What? <laughs> the winner of last year's hide and seek competition. <laughs> I hope that's edifying nice. for you and it, all it, who are listening. It, it, I feel <laughs> built up. <laughs> I am just not helpful. I should not be allowed on this podcast. That's <laughs> that's what we we prove every single week. <sighs> but the reality is, we've asked people to uh, comment. Uh, send texts, send emails, and you haven't done that. So the fact that I'm still on here, that's on you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it, no, it, it's actually a great illustration of uh, not only are we hidden, we have to hide ourselves in Christ. Yes. We, we have to stay there. Yep. Uh, one of the great youth games that we have done throughout the years uh, is called Sardines, which is oh, like yeah. reverse hide and seek, where one person hides and then everybody else goes looking for them. But the goal is when you find them, you hide with them until you get this giant clump who are hiding with them. And that's actually what our relationship with Christ and each other looks like. Oh, yeah. Like we are searching for Christ. We are looking for him. And when we find him, he's already done the work. Like he's accomplished salvation. He mm -hmm. has already uh, hidden our life. In Christ, in God, like he's tucked us in there, yep. but then we go, I'm in. Yep. We squeeze into the spot. Yeah. That, that's absolutely what it says. Hidden with Christ. Yeah. In God. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect, yeah, sardines. Which is also kind of fantastic because it's a picture of what the church in joining Jesus on his mission should do. Uh, when you play that that game with the youth group, what ends up having uh, happening inevitably is that group gets so large, you can't hide anymore. Mm, yep. it, it starts spilling out into the open. It starts yes. taking over the space around it. Uh, that's the increasing kingdom. As yes. God uh, increases his kingdom in us and in the world around us, we should expect him to be gathering. That's the ecclesia. That's the church gathering mm -hmm. them to himself uh, and then scattering them into the world with his gospel. Like it, it's a beautiful oh, yeah. picture of the kingdom. The great theology of sardines. Yeah. That yeah. is actually a great picture. It's pretty cool. Uh, so if that's true, if we are in Christ, if we have been, uh, gathered as body parts of his body and 
because that's true, we're body parts of each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next thing he says is verse five, put to death, therefore, that which is earthly within you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming in these you two once walked when you were living in them. That this, this has been our path. Mm-hmm. Like that, this has been our history, but we are to be dead to that. Yes. Yeah, and it's interesting how many similarities there are uh, between Ephesians and Colossians. A lot of things he says in Ephesians, he says in Colossians. And uh, I love the way he starts off Ephesians chapter 2 in much the same way uh, when he, he says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, all, uh, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of of mankind. mankind. Yeah. So we were all there, and that was our path. That's actually why uh, love can cover over a multitude of sins. Because that's all of our story. Yeah. We shouldn't be surprised when a brother or sister sins against us. We really shouldn't be surprised when a non-believer sins against us. Oh, yeah. Because sinners sin. That's yes. what they do. That's what they do. Uh, but that's our fallen nature as well that has has been conquered by the love of Christ in us. But now we are, we've been given a task. Like, this isn't just God's task. We've been given a task put to death. And you find this in Colossians 3 over and over uh, put to death, put on, put off, uh, again and again and again. Like yeah. that's that's the call to us. Like take action because Christ has done something in you. Mm-hmm. Now you make an intentional choice. Yeah, to love, to yep. forgive, to walk in holiness, uh, yes. to put away all of those things that were once there. Uh, so verse eight. But now you must uh, put them all away: anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth don't lie to one another seeing that you have it seeing that because there, there's an already existing reality mm-hmm. that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is and this is god's act, action here being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator yes just a, a beautiful picture of god's continued work his hand upon us but then that call now you have to do the work mm-hmm. and if you don't do the work it's going to affect you. It's going to affect how you are affecting the world around you. Mm -hmm. You will not be joining Jesus on his mission. If you're not putting off and putting on. Yeah. And, and, and it's all drenched in grace. God does this to us as an act of his grace and then respond to his grace with the grace that he gives us to respond. Yeah. It's, It's all just drenched in his grace there. It kind of reminds me of uh, the mom and dad who take their little kid to the mall at Christmas time and give them 20 bucks and say, all right, now go buy a present for your mom, you know, something like that. (laughs) Uh, And then the kid goes and buys something with money that doesn't belong to him. Like it, that money was given to you actually Mm -hmm. by the same parent that you're going to turn around and give the gift to only there's such identification with it. They're like, look what I got you. Like, and Christmas yeah. morning, their eyes are just huge. They're wait, <laughs> and you can spot it because it's the worst wrapped gift there. Like, it looks <laughs> yes. like a two-year-old wrapped it, you know. Uh, 
that's our relationship with God. Like everything yeah. that we have is this gift of grace that he has given us. Mm-hmm. And what we're called to do is like that two-year-old turn around and present that life, present yep. our bodies yep. as living sacrifices to him, holy yeah. and acceptable. Uh, that is our spiritual act of worship. Yes. yes. Not us just coming up with it. Yep. And, and I love the way C.S. Lewis put it with when he talked about it being six pence, none the richer that when I thought that was a band. It is, oh, okay. or was, okay. uh, it was, <laughs> was, yeah. Uh, he said that the, the child who received six pence to buy that gift then gives that gift to his father and his father now has a gift worth six pence, but his father is none the richer for it because he's the one who gave the money for it. So even with our spiritual acts of service, we're not making God any richer than not he already was. Not adding anything to God. Not adding yeah. anything to his glory. Yeah. It's such a... Oh. Beautiful picture. Yeah, it is. C.S. Lewis was a smart guy. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, so my favorite verse in this entire Colossians 3 passage, mm-hmm. uh, verse 11. So he's, he's been making the argument, Christ has already done the work to join you to himself, to each other. Because that's true, here's your responsibilities of how you should live. And then verse 11, he goes, Here there is not Greek and Jew, Circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Which that's one of those coffee cup sounding verses where you (laughs) you just sort of read by it quickly. Uh, But when you think about the distinction between Greek and Jew, Mm -hmm. that was actually completely defining for them in their time. Uh, it, It defined what they thought. It defined what they did what they wore, what their hair mm-hmm. looked like, what their interaction with people looked like, where they shopped and bought their groceries, uh, the food that they would eat or would not eat, the people they would talk to or not talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was all-encompassing. Yeah. And now you take these really two different worlds. So the Jews had all of these laws and requirements that they'd been working on for about a 1,000 years. Uh, the Greeks have their own culture that is sort of taking over the world. In fact, the, the Greek culture is still really impacting our world today. Oh, yeah. And you took those two uh, nuclear atoms and you stuck them in the same room. And what you should expect is some sort of explosion. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is exactly what happened in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, divisions, explosions, so much so that there's all this peer pressure that starts happening to, oh, you should join my team. Yeah, you should be on my. Don't be on their team. No, 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 join my yeah. team. Uh, and Peter even gets sucked into this, yes. where he's they're they're taking the gospel to Gentiles, people of this Greek mindset, as opposed to just being Jews, which is where they're coming from. And he was fine until the other Jewish guys showed up, and then mm-hmm. oh wait, I forgot we don't talk to people like you. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls back from that publicly, pulls back, uh, isn't sitting with them, isn't eating with them. Uh, isn't having fellowship with him, uh, at which point Paul publicly rebukes him. Mm-hmm. That is dramatic. Yes. And I, love, I love the way Paul phrases it, phrases it. He says, I opposed him to his face. Like, whoa. Uh, yeah. Which is good. Back to that drift. If we just mm-hmm. go with the drift of culture in our feelings and what's comfortable, we'll keep going. We need people when we're not thinking to go, you should think about this in a gospel light. Yeah. It, 
Because what you see after that uh, is an explosion of the gospel to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. We don't get to see it, but Peter goes, dang, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I was wrong. Yeah. Christians have a hard time with that phrase. (laughs) I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, But so beautiful blending together of really, really different people and ideas. In fact, uh, we had recommended it a while ago, this book, Conscience by Andrew Nassali. Is that how you say Nassali? By Andrew, the guy whose name I can't say, uh, <laughs> and J.D. Crowley. So if you haven't checked this out, uh, you should really get this book, Conscience, um, what it is, how to train it, and loving those who differ. So important mm-hmm. in a time like this, yeah. where whether you're talking about uh, church issues, whether you're talking about political issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are so many things where all of a sudden you can't have a conversation, not only with your neighbor, you can't have a conversation with church people. Yep. Um, Oh, there's, there's just so many issues. I'm not even going to mention any of them because there's so many. Yeah. Uh, But we need to get to the place where we can sit across the table and you can think one thing and I can think another, and you can think one thing and I can think another. And we say, that is true, and we are in Christ. That yes. is actually what joins us. That's what unites us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think in our world today, we're taught that we all have our own truth, when the reality is we don't. Right, and that's we, the problem. Yeah, we have our own opinions, but not our own truth. And so we need to realize my perception, my opinion, is not necessarily truth. Yeah. Uh, this is truth. And that is what we are centered around. And that's what frees us to have unity within diversity. Yep. Yep. If not, uh, we have someone who really wants to call in really quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I won't, I won't do to her what we've done previously. <laughs> Accidentally put them on the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, if we don't think like that, what church quickly becomes is a social club. Yes, uh, which is what you what you end up finding in this verse is it just goes through uh, thing after thing. So barbarian, uh, that would have been a term for somebody who speaks a language I can't understand. Mm. Like you just sound like you're babbling mm. Uh, mm. and really sort of looking down on you're not you're not like us. You're not one of us. Mm. Uh, Scythian, the, these northern or these, these tribes that were on the north part. of Gosh, I want to say it's the Black Sea. I'm not looking at my notes. I need to look. It was some there. <laughs> yeah, Black Sea. I, I'm like, gosh, if I say this wrong and somebody's going to be like, you don't know anything. Uh, yeah, these, these tribes that are on the north coast of this Black Sea and Scythian was a put down. Uh, mm. it, it would be. Oh, I'm trying to think of a nice way to because there's so many of these kind of like ethnic slurs, ethnic put downs yes. that make it into our uh, modern vocabulary. And a lot of them, we don't even recognize that we're doing it. Yeah. Um, so I remember as a kid that you'd hear Polak jokes. Right. Uh, I didn't know a single Polish person and I didn't know what would make them subpar. Uh, and then we, we go to Bible college, uh, in Scotland. So we're over there, uh, going to Bible college and people in Scotland and England make Welsh jokes. So they don't make Polak jokes. They make Welsh jokes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we all kind of have that, like, Oh, you're the, 
you're the person who messes this up. But that uh, mm -hmm. Josephus actually talks about in using this ethnic slur, it was basically like saying you drink too much, you're brutal. They, they had this um, pattern of taking defeated enemies out into the streets and then scalping them. Mm -hmm. uh, so somebody with their head shaved, oh, you're a Scythian, you know. But it, it was, it was kind of like saying skinhead back in the 80s for those oh, of yeah. us who are old enough to remember yep. it. Um, the, the main thrust is these people are not like us, mm -hmm. which uh, it's sad when you still continue to hear that in the church. Yeah, uh, We've heard that in the church here just recently of mm -hmm. these people are not like us. That's why I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. And, and not just not like us, but looking down on them because they're not like us. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the entire point of what he's going to say as he turns this to, uh, but it's Christ. Christ is all he's, he's all that we want. He's, he's the thing that we are pursuing. We're hiding with him mm -hmm. and he's in all, all those whom he has called to himself, all of the elect, he has filled them. And that's what unites us. Yes. If you miss that, we're back to social group. Yeah. And then if you're not like us, well, go join another social group. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of the, the old phrase, uh, cutting off your nose to spite your face that's that's what that is yeah and it's sad mm -hmm. because it's christ's body it's christ's face that we are uh, tearing apart when we do that yes uh, so because that's true because uh, we have this this motley crew of uh, unlikely Brethren who've been stuck together in the same place, who don't think alike, who don't act alike, who don't look alike. Mm -hmm. uh, now give us enough time. Church people <laughs> were really good at this. Uh, yes. you, give us, you give us 50 to 100 years, we'll all dress the same. We'll talk the same. We'll act the same. Good uh, chameleons. And then we'll, we'll require that of you to join us. Mm -hmm. oh, that's not the point. Not the point of the gospel here. Uh, but because we have differences that have been stuck together because of Christ, because Christ is all that we're looking for, and he has filled all of us, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. There will be differences there will be hurt mm -hmm. there will be uh sins against you and the command is don't do what comes natural yeah don't don't default to the you're not like us card uh, don't default to the uh you were wrong and you sinned against me card when that happens this is this is like a prescription for when that happens mm -hmm. put on put on in other words it this isn't in us this is something external to us we're, we're choosing this because we are beloved by god because we we've, we've been made holy compassion towards each other kindness towards each other humility in other words i don't walk into the room going i know everything and you're an idiot and the point of this conversation is i'm going to show you that i know everything and that you're an idiot and you're an idiot yes <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> those are those are not fruitful conversations no. No. Uh, and those aren't defined by the next one. They're meekness. Mm -hmm. um, rather than coming with arrogance, supremacy, man. Uh, I mean, Jesus says, if anybody's going to be great in the kingdom, let him be a servant of all. Mm -hmm. and, then, 
and looking at this passage when he's saying put this on uh, some people may it's not like a shirt that you put on and at the end of the day you take off um, when he says put on back to the uh, actually back to the similarities between Ephesians and Colossians uh, in Ephesians 4 he just gets finished talking in chapters 1 through 3 about everything God has done for us, much like he did there in the beginning of chapter 3 of Colossians. And then at verse 4, he says, therefore, he's saying, because of all that Christ has done for us, um, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So uh, a lot of that very same stuff. But instead of saying put on, here he says walk. Right. And in Scripture, whenever it's talking about walk, it's talking about how you live your life, mm-hmm. not just these punctuated uh, occasions where you do something, but it is how you live your life, which really helps us understand when he says put on over in Colossians 3, put on compassionate, heart, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. He's not saying when the occasion arises, put these things on. He's saying Always. Yeah. Always. And there, there's probably moments like the person who abandoned their shoes where you find yourself in those difficult, rocky places and you go, I'm really putting it on today. <laughs> yes. But it, back in Colossians, uh, he's like, above all this, put on love. Like that, that should be our lifestyle. Verse yep. 15, let the yeah. peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's not a one day gig. Like that's every day I'm going to choose to let the peace of Christ rule. If I don't do that every day, when I come up to the day that I need it, it won't be there. Yes. In fact, what we will find ruling in our hearts is our own will, our own desire, which will manifest in anger and frustration because I thought I was on the throne and you people don't seem to be bowing down to me. Mm. I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, Let the peace of Christ rule. And verse 16, I think this is so important. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That Mm -hmm. if we don't start uh, abiding in God's word, living in God's word, letting that inform how we think and feel and walk and live, we will be alone. We will be adrift. I think the order of these two things points back wonderfully to what you started out talking with about um first he says let the peace of christ rule in your hearts then he says let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another that that peace of christ has got to be there or we will never get to the point of teaching and admonishing sharing the gospel yeah Uh, i mean i think it makes the point beautifully that you had started out with yeah it's one of the things in uh, raising our kids disciplining our kids that we made a decision really early and I mean really early and I, I don't even remember where we picked it up. Uh, just praise God for bringing stuff into our life mm-hmm. that every act of, of discipline uh, which you, you see here, the words uh, admonishing one another, that that's a discipline word that that's mm-hmm. not a pat on the back. That's a brother. You're, you're messing up mm-hmm. moment <laughs> uh, that every moment of discipline was going to be sandwiched with love and encouragement yeah so we would reaffirm our love for them something happened uh sit down okay let's settle down uh we're going to talk about it i love you we here's here's why we're doing this we want to see you grow up into the young man young woman god has made you to be uh we love you god loves you 
But then we talk about, okay, so why was this separate from God's law? Like what, what was this that actually made it not just wrong, but sin. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we would talk through that. We would pray through that, like right from the beginning, teaching them when you're caught in a sin. All right, now you're going to pray. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what to say, but, uh, you need to talk to Jesus, tell him you're sorry, uh, ask him to forgive you. Thank him for doing that. And then following that, was depending on what the offense was, it was the punishment. Oh, yeah. So it, going to Jesus doesn't take the punishment away on right. this earth. Right. So uh, we would, I always, I always think anytime uh, a parent disciplines in anger, whether it's verbal or physical, it's wrong and it's dangerous. Yes. yes. It, as Absolutely. much as possible, never discipline in anger. Yes. Uh, so if you, if you start with love, if you start with calm, sit down, uh, if you start with praying together, by the time it, it gets to the punishment phase, your anger has dissipated. Your, your main mm-hmm. focus is I want mm-hmm. to see this little boy, this little girl, uh, walk in unbroken fellowship with God. I, I want to mm-hmm. see them like molded into Christ's image. All right. So you, you know what happened? I have to give you two spankings or something like that, you know? Um, and then there was, there was whatever the the punishment was and then sandwich again with love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You made sure that you hugged them. You loved them. Um, Mm -hmm. you put your blessing on them. Uh, we usually ended up praying for them at some point. So you have love, Mm -hmm. love, discipline in the middle. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, Mm-hmm. If you haven't let God's word inform how you think, even just about your kids, oh, yeah. those moments of discipline, in fact, there's a lot of people who probably listen to this right now who go, uh, it looked really different for me when I was a kid. Yep. Uh, discipline was anger. Uh, discipline was fearful. And not just a fear of punishment because of consequences. Uh, fear because mom or dad flew into a rage. Yeah. And you never knew what you were going to do or say that would set that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a poor representation of God's love for us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Proverbs 3.12 says, The Lord disciplines those whom he loves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Yeah. So the, the basis of God's discipline is love and the fact that he delights in us, which is mind-boggling that he would delight in somebody like me, racked with sinful disobedience. But he delights in me. And that's the motivation of his discipline. Yeah. He delights in me, therefore he disciplines me. Uh, which, of course, that is what needs to transfer over to us as parents in disciplining our children and us as Christians there it is. admonishing yeah. our brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's because of our love for them, mm-hmm. because we actually delight in them, yes. that we want to see that unbroken fellowship with them and God, mm-hmm. that we're going to have those difficult conversations. Yep. Uh, let's wrap up by looking at Matthew 18, because... Uh, it's one of the clearest passages in speaking about this. Um, and it starts off, Matthew 18, verse 15, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So the, the first step every single time when there is sin is you go to them one-on-one. Mm-hmm. What happens if you don't do that? Pastor John, what, what happens if you decide on another route? <laughs> uh, 
That's excellent when... sound effects. <laughs> I did not anticipate that. <laughs> that's when bad things happen. Uh, that's when gossip, slander. Um, it's usually also a sign of a lack of love. Uh, uh, it's a sign of I'm bringing along people to prove my point. Yeah. Uh, it's it just messes the whole situation up completely all around, and it may drag other people in who either have no business being in it or who would have actually been fine without uh, the other input. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, it just can really uh, take a situation that isn't real serious and make it pretty serious. Escalate it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so the question then becomes, uh, okay, so what sin qualifies for this? If all of our natural tendency is drift, mm-hmm. uh, if all of us sin every single day, what qualifies, okay, I, I need to go and talk with this person about that. I mean, do, do we want people confronting every single, everything, you know, I mean, it, it, it seems like that could get out of hand. Yes. So what you looked at me sternly, <laughs> dad, he's breathing in my direction. That's what it reminds me of. I remember that as kids like he crossed the line. Yes. What line? The, the invisible line we drew in the backseat. Backseat of the car. Yes. Now that was, that was back in the day when we didn't have seatbelts in the backseat. Yes. Uh, in fact, we traveled thousands and thousands of miles across America with my parents and we had this van that we had kind of uh, converted into a trailer slash uh, RV slash whatever. <laughs> and uh, I just remember it, over the, the back had a bench seat with no seat belts. No seat belts existed on this seat at all. Uh, and then there was like a, a little platform and you could store luggage back underneath there. Oh, yeah. But there was about a 12 to 18 inch window above that between you and the ceiling. And we would just lay up in that because you could look out the actual back windows, uh, but there was just a little platform up there that we would just lay down. That's how we travel. Kids today, like, don't start oh, yeah. driving. I don't have my seatbelt on yet. <laughs> yeah. They don't know that seatbelts are our way of tying them down. So they'll yes. quit touching each other. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what are some of the things that qualify? First, if the sin is visible to outsiders. We talked about this mm-hmm. in our adult Sunday school class. Yes. Uh, we didn't have time to go over this on Sunday. But if it's visible to outsiders, so we're talking about church discipline here. Yeah. When we go to them, we're not just talking about sometimes we hear church discipline. And we think, okay, that's when we drag them up in front of the church uh, and then we publicly beat them with a wet noodle or whatever <laughs> it is. That, that's sort of people's misconception right. of loving godly correction. Church discipline actually starts when I, as a member of the church, and you as a member of the church, and I go to you one-on-one. Yes. Because I love you. Because I care about you. Uh, If the sin is visible to outsiders, if it is bringing dishonor to God, Mm -hmm. if it's visible enough that it's lying about God to non-Christians. Yes. That's huge. That's a huge place to start with. Uh, This is the the reputation of Christ and his church that is on the line. Mm-hmm. This is also why we must do this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I, I think ultimately it's not so much about brother versus brother as it is 
unity within the church and the reputation of Christ. Yeah. I mean, God does want reconciliation between brothers. It's, that's not to diminish yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but, but that's not the only thing going on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is Christ's reputation, uh, worldly speaking. Yeah. Uh, not in eternity, Christ's reputation will be soiled. But within our culture, uh, worldviews. Yeah. Well, there again, we're becoming the uh, roadblock between the non-Christian and Christ because of our behavior. That, yes. That's actually why it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is not worried about his reputation. Uh, mm-hmm. the Bible says he was a man of no reputation. Uh, he, there was no beauty within him that we should desire him. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what a suffering servant comes and looks like. Uh, even as he is uh, still working to save, like it's not his reputation like that. It's the fact that we have put a stumbling block in between unbelievers and reconciliation yep. with God. And Jesus had some really severe things to say about that. Yes. Uh, like, you cause one of them to stumble, it would have been better for you never to have been born. Yep. Yeah. That's harsh. Yep. It would be better if he was taken uh, and thrown into... A river with a millstone around his neck. Yep. It like you and millstone. Yeah. <laughs> not millstone. That, that's a that's a mob sounding thing to say, but it, yeah. he's not recommending uh, capital punishment for people, uh, you know, who do those things. But he is saying this is a huge deal, yeah. and God really takes it seriously. Yep. Really takes it seriously. Um, uh, we mentioned on Sunday that that passage from. Proverbs chapter six, where he has this whole list of things that God hates. And then when it talks about division, mm-hmm. he says, God hates the one yeah. who causes division Holy. that I, not just division. I, oh, I don't like it when people don't get along. No, if you're doing this, mm-hmm. like you have stored up wrath for yourself, that is a dangerous place to live. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that happens when we skip this step one. Yes. It starts creating divisions within the body of Christ. Yeah. So that's the first one. Second one is, the uh, first one is it visible to outsiders. Second one, is it hurting others physically or emotionally? Uh, is it causing them to be tempted by setting a bad example for younger Christians? So think about uh, maybe abuse within a home. Mm-hmm. It's not visible. Almost nobody right. knows about it. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't hear the fights. They don't see the bruises. Mm-hmm. And so you go, well, you know, it's not really... If you just use the first one, well, you know, right. it's not really uh, affecting that. Uh, sooner or later, those things are going to come to the light. Yeah. Yes. Uh, at which point it will actually cause outsiders to look. And, and you see that again and again where the church has covered up abuse. Mm-hmm. And when people find out about it, it immediately goes yeah. to that. And you have damaged the reputation, the holiness of God's church. Yep. But also in that moment, if it is causing physical or emotional harm to people, we want to step in. Yeah. And by the way, that's, again, it, it sounds like everybody would be like, yeah, of course. Uh, it's rarely popular because people polarize and take sides mm-hmm. as opposed to saying we love everybody. We, we love the victim and we love the sinner. Yes. And we want both of them to be reconciled to God. Mm-hmm. And you would it, think people would be on board with that, but usually not. Yeah. It, it really speaks to the importance of, <coughs> excuse me, of, being a member of your local church because this is what speaks to by joining here I am placing myself in submission to the spiritual oversight and placing myself in submission to my surrounding brothers and sisters 
it gives those people the right to step into your life. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it's so important to be truly plugged in to a local body. Yeah. Uh, so that there are those people, uh, again, going, circling back to what we said earlier, uh, being a submission to those people who will step in and rein us back. Yeah. I, and I, I think this is a good point to, to just make this comment because uh, there's been a lot of like difficult things that our church in particular has been walking through. Mm-hmm. And there's been some awesome things oh, that yes. almost nobody listening to this, almost nobody watching this knows anything about because all of it got handled in step one in verse 15 of Matthew 18 yes. of going to them one-on-one. There was confession of sin. There's been walking out with other brothers and sisters and God is doing some amazing things in their life. Mm-hmm. And we don't celebrate that enough. Oh, and right. it, it's hard because we can't publicly celebrate that. We can't say, <laughs> yeah. oh, look what God is doing in person one and person two here. Uh, and you're like, what? That happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't focus on that. Just don't. focus on what God was doing. I mean, we, we can't actually unveil those things. But just to say, like, God is doing some incredible things in people's hearts and lives. Yeah. And a lot of it is because they have connected with fellowship. The, yeah. the ones who haven't connected, it's a much more difficult painful, dark, long road. Yes. So, uh, the third one, uh, is actually, could it lead to disunity in the church? So is this something that is leading to a break in fellowship? We have to go and talk with them. Uh, fourthly, is it seriously harming the offender by damaging his relationship with God, uh, or damaging them in other ways? So if it's something that, that only affects the person, we still have to talk with them. Yeah. If it's affecting others, whether it's creating disunity or whether it's uh, physical or emotional pain, that when I say we, I don't mean we, like you and I. Right. And those of you listening shouldn't go like, yeah, yeah, why aren't Matt and John talking to them? <laughs> yeah. Like this is, this is a we, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. We have to go to them. Uh, in fact, it's not until you get to the end of this process that it says tell it to the church. Yeah. 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 Man, we are we are called to be the hands of feet because we as a congregation love this person. Yes. Uh, which always drives me nuts when someone is trying to illustrate their great love for a person and how like the church, which is some giant organization that exists on its own has let them down. Like, I don't know why the church never did anything. Like, I don't know. You are the church. Are the Why church. didn't you do anything? Yeah. Like, go and talk with them. Yep. Uh, if you're in this situation, go and talk with them right now. Yeah. Uh, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him. The understood subject to there is you go and tell him. Yeah. I think most people read this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell Pastor John <laughs> or Pastor Matt. <laughs> yes. Because uh, that's really, that's it how you sort seem, things out. Yeah. <laughs> right, so maybe maybe to pop somebody's bubble here. Uh, if someone sins against you and you go tell Pastor John or Pastor Matt, that's gossip. Yes. Yep. I'm going I'm to say that just one more time because mm-hmm. that's not how we tend to think in the church. If someone sins against you and you go to Pastor John, Pastor Matt, or anyone else mm-hmm. before you have gone to them one-on-one, that's gossip. It is gossip. And, and I'll say... The, the response you get from me is, have you talked to them yet? Yeah. Okay, then go do it. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it is gossip. It, that's. I remember I was at a, uh, oh, it was a biblical counseling conference. 
And uh, one of the questions came to uh, the moderator who, um, it, it was a lady asking the question. She's like, okay, so I know uh, if there's like, if there's a problem going on and I go to talk to my pastor first, it's gossip, but what about, and then she was just asking for specifics. And I thought, well, no, that's how you do it. Like you go talk to the pastor, you go talk to an elder. You, yeah. And they're like, yep, obviously that's right. Then <laughs> my little mind exploded. Mm -hmm. uh, but the reality is so many times when someone comes and talks to you or I, uh, a spouse, a, a, and there's a lot of hurting wives out there who go, man, this is happening. Don't say anything. Oh yeah. And they just, they put us in an impossible position of having to fix it while not being able to say anything about it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it really is that gossipy thing because it has to start. You have to go to them one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to do that because, well, what about my happiness and joy and peace and safety and security? Uh, like what about that? Mm -hmm. And yeah, those are real concerns. And the truth is we see in that moment, I love myself more than I love this person and fixing whatever this is. Yes. So and, go and, to them one-on-one. -on -one. And I'd say if, if somebody says this has happened, I need to go talk to them. What would be the best way to approach this person? Um, how, how can I do this biblically? That that's different. That's than, closer. That that's yeah. getting in the ballpark. Like, yeah. okay, I feel like I need to go talk to this person, but I'm a knee jerk reaction person. Like someone looks at me wrong and I'm ready to go. <laughs> right. It's on. Uh, I tend to blow things out of proportion. Uh, does it sound like I'm doing it? If you're coming with a self examination, yes. that's a different question. Yep. Right. Uh, if I'm just coming to get you on my side so I can let you know just how bad this person is mm -hmm. uh, how man we got to do something i mean well now we're it, we're like peasants with pitchforks in yes. the street like let's do something you know yes. all right so we better hurry up if we're going to get through matthew 18 oh, here yes. uh, if he doesn't listen to you when you go one-on-one verse 16 uh take one or two others along with you uh, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. That was the Old Testament law. Uh, that was how mm -hmm. serious cases had to be. It had to be two or three witnesses. Uh, and it's not until you've done that. So that's when you're getting to the place like, okay, so I went and talked with them. Now I'm going to talk to a pastor. Uh, mm -hmm. Now I'm going to talk to uh, somebody else who knows them, who loves them, who has uh, a mentoring relationship, some sort of spiritual authority in their life. Maybe, maybe a close friend or a peer, uh, Hey, uh, here's what's going on. W would you go with me? Let's together call them to faithfulness to God's word, mm -hmm. call them to fellowship. Um, verse 17, if you refuse to listen to them, tell it to the church. It doesn't say drag them in front of the church and make them confess their sin to everybody. Right. Uh, we had a really good friend, uh, when we were in high school, she was going to a conservative church and, uh, she went with C to Cedar Point with a bunch of friends. And when she got to Cedar Point, she trained, she changed out of her conservative dress and put shorts. On. Yeah, she had shorts on. Uh, and somehow somebody from the church found out. I don't know how, because it was before social media. Uh, and they, they made her stand up in front of the church and confess that she had worn shorts. Wow. In public. Um, that's not in here. No, I, I want to just say no. that again and again. Uh, I want to say it as a, a comfort and a warning. Mm -hmm. 
The comfort is it does us no good to drag people up like a little kid where you drag them by their ear into the room and you go, say you're sorry. And they go, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And they're not. Yep. Because we can't change their heart. Like we, we can, we can call them to the truth. We can point them to the truth. We can warn them of disobedience. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, their heart is their heart. Now we frequently tell people, listen, one of the best things that you can do if you're repentant is tell the brothers and sisters, right? Drag this thing into the light. Let them pray with you and cry with you and surround you and walk with you. Never are we to drag somebody up and make them confess what they did. Yeah. When it gets to this point, it's because already previous two times they've been unrepentant. Yeah. So making going to the third step and saying, now you have to confess it. It's to this point because they're not sorry. They're not repentant. Yeah. yeah. It, that would be a false repentance. Yeah. Uh, which is, that's actually the reason I know the story because she thought it was ridiculous that she had to get up mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. confess that she wore shorts. Yeah. No, this actually says if this is a serious offense, so uh, it's visible to outsiders uh, in a way that damages the reputation of Christ and his church, mm -hmm. uh, it's causing physical or emotional har harm to somebody else or the individual, it's causing disunity in the church, it says that we are to tell it to the church. Yes. Like this is, we've had multiple times of uh, warning, calling them to faithfulness, obedience, at mm -hmm. which point we say, here's what's happened. Yep. Uh, that, that is, that is the call. And that is completely countercultural to today. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And this has nothing to do with shaming, by the way, yeah. this has everything to do with if our lifeline is gospel community and you've said, no, I don't want that. I want to drift down the river. We're going to say all hands on deck. Mm -hmm. Everybody get a life preserver. We're going to throw them all at once. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's because we love, because we want them to be saved. Uh, but the end of that is if they refuse to listen, even to the church, let them be to you like a Gentile or a tax collector. Mm -hmm. um, the, the tax collector was somebody who had betrayed their own people. Yep. And so they, they didn't have anything to do with them. Yeah. Yeah. And the Gentile, we're, we're back to that, that Greek and Jew distinction. Uh, mm -hmm. This isn't a Gentile in the church. This is back to that old Jewish uh, cultural thing yeah. of, uh, I cannot eat with you. I can't buy things at your store. Now, I, I don't think it's saying necessarily uh, if they have a store, boycott them. Right. Uh, because the whole point, if we treat them as an unbeliever, which is what 1 Corinthians 5 says, mm -hmm. uh, you know what we do with unbelievers? We love them with all the passion of our being. Why? Because Christ first loved us. Yes. That's right back where we started. Yeah. Because he has loved us, we love them, but our interaction is shaped in such a way where it's all designed to lead to the place of calling them yes. to trust in Christ, calling them to repentance, yep. calling them to walk in faithfulness. And if we refuse to do that because it's difficult, there again, I think the reputation of the church, the reputation of Christ who reconciles us, who calls us to himself mm -hmm. is damaged by that. Yes. And ultimately it will lead to us uh, not sharing the gospel with our neighbors or at least not sharing it accurately or effectively. Right. Uh, you know, man, yeah, you should trust in Jesus. Don't come to my church. Those people suck. <laughs> like they're terrible. They're awful. Yeah. I always get concerned when somebody uh, comes to visit our church, like, man, this place is great. My old church, that place was terrible. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that's great. Don't stay here. Don't stay. <laughs> uh, until you fix that, don't stay There's here. There's the door. 
Because that, that, <laughs> I don't know if you remember from uh, Veggie Tales Day a uh, long time ago, <laughs> uh, the rumor weed that just yes. grows, that the one little thing and it grows and it just takes over everything. Mm -hmm. uh, that will happen. This brand new, awesome church that you just found, mm -hmm. you're going to room, ruin, I can't say it because I want to say rumor weed. <laughs> you're going to ruin it uh, with that thing that has infected your soul. Man, we've yeah. got to deal with this. Well, that root of bitterness that defiles yeah. many. Uh, I, it's, I think that's a huge clue in that verse. It defiles many, not just the person who's bitter. It defiles those who are around them as well. It, it infects. Yeah. Yeah. So in the coming... Uh, weeks, months, we're going to be talking more about what it means to join Jesus on his mission. Uh, we're actually going to be going through that book. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you've already got the book, uh, we're going to be going through it in our community groups, yes. which are going to start the second Sunday night in October, yep. October 10th, October 10th. Uh, if you haven't got it, we have a sign up in the hallway here at the church where people mm -hmm. can sign up and get that book ordered. Uh, we're going to be talking about that a lot more, uh, which I think is awesome because there's a lot of people, when you ask them, why don't you actively share your faith? They're like, I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a real thing. Yeah, that, that absolutely. I, I think we can help equip people. Uh, we can challenge people. We can say, man, yeah. this is what we're after. But the reality is you have to start here. Yes. If there is uh, sin lurking in the corners of your heart or if there is division uh, broken fellowship, unforgiveness lurking in the corners of your heart. Uh, I don't care if you have all of the right tools to join Jesus on his mission. You're going to mess it up. You're going to build yes. the wrong house. Yep. You're building on the wrong foundation. Yep. And so I would just, I would challenge all of us, examine our heart, examine our life. And what, what's the fruit of all this thing that's growing? Is it peace and joy in the Holy spirit? Is it anger, frustration, division, uh, feeling cut off, man, that, that is not actually a good indicator of where our hearts are at. Right. Uh, let's examine that. Let's say God, uh, along with David, search my heart, see mm -hmm. if there's any wicked way within me. Yes. And if so, man, let's be ruthless with it. Yeah. Put it to death. Put it, it to death. Colossians three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If there is uh, an offense, forgive. If there's sin, repent. Mm -hmm. uh, let's let's go before God. Let's get our hearts in the right place so that when we share the gospel, it's effective and it's good news. Yes, absolutely. Good. All right. Well, uh, thanks for uh, sitting with us through this podcast. Uh, I hope it has blessed you and encouraged you. Uh, join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. We're going to be going through uh, Revelation, the seven trumpets. So mm. if you want to grab your Bible, uh, you can read through that. Uh, Revelation 8 through 11, I think, is what we're going to yes. be covering. Uh, so read through that as individuals and families before then. So, all right. Thanks. God bless.